I've always referred to the scripture and built my sermon based on that. But I want to use this platform this morning and prepare you for 2021. I'm going to leave you with three things that I think is greatly necessary and I feel uh, just God dealing with my heart concerning these things. As I reflect back on 2020, the one thing that has enabled my walk with God, my wife, my marriage, relationship with people in church and what has been the saving grace in many of those things, no doubt it's God, but it has been the wisdom of God that has helped me. Time and time again, that we may have felt like doing something against the Word of God, or time and time again we felt like reacting against what God has commanded us. But wisdom demands that we listen and we follow and we abide. And so wisdom has allowed in many ways my life, my marriage, my relationship with people to be preserved. That in the application of it, because the Bible speaks of wisdom in such a way, there are lots of people, this year you can gain some wisdom. Amen. In how you speak. In how you communicate. In how you look at people. Wisdom teaches us relationship skills. Wisdom teaches us money skills. Wisdom teaches us emotional intelligence. Wisdom, the Bible says, is precious and invaluable for survival. I want to make this statement. I think you may have heard it, but I'll say it nonetheless. You get wisdom, you get life. Life is found in wisdom. Now, the lack of wisdom has become the central reason for the many unwanted mistakes, the mess-ups that we get into, that somehow in hindsight, if we look back today at some of the mess-ups, if we look back today at some of the relationships we have destroyed, if we look back today at some of the decisions we've made, you could probably put your finger today and say, if only I had a little bit more wisdom, it would not have come to this. Some of us realize in 2020, we should have started saving in 2018. Wisdom has taught us that. And I'm not, I'm not down uh, 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 devaluing the reality of what we've had to face. Many people were caught off guard in 2020. I'm not denying that, beloved. It's true. We were all caught off guard. But wisdom would prepare us and that's why today, we can learn to apply wisdom to avoid future messes. 
And so as we consider, I've called this sermon very simply, I, listen, I don't claim to be King Solomon. Let me, just go, let me just go on record and tell you that, okay? In case you're wondering, oh, who, who do you think you are to tell us wisdom? The title of the sermon is Wisdom for 2021. <laughs> okay, where's the title, man? <laughs> Put it up. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about some of the principles that have kept me safe all these years. Some of the things that will keep you and help you as well as an individual and as a church. Now in Proverbs 24, 3 to 7, I want you to go there in the Word of God with me and as we turn there, we're going to read Proverbs 24, uh, 3 through 7, beloved. Now the Bible says, Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel, you will wage your own war. And in the multitude of counselor, there is safety. Wisdom is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Let's pray. Father, I come this morning, God. Father, I pray that you will deposit in us wisdom and understanding, O oh God. For we know that this is the principal thing, O oh God. Develop in us the fear of God. Because we know that through the fear of God comes wisdom. And we desire to honor. We desire to please you. We desire to do right, God. Moving forward, O oh God, give us the strength, the insight, God the revelation concerning life in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, wisdom can save lives. Wisdom teaches us to be silent when we are confused. Amen. These are some of the virtues that I've learned. To be honest with you, 2020 has been a year of testing my boundaries. You've heard me minister on the subject of boundaries. You've heard me preach on that subject of boundaries. You've heard me mention to you a number of things through the years on the subject of boundaries. But I can tell you, beloved, that 2020 has been a year of constant and persistent testing against my boundaries as a Christian. That there have been times where I am tested to go beyond or to do things that I'm not called to do or rather not even in obedience to the word. And I've had to say no more often than not. And there are times I feel, and I've told Yen, I said, you know what, it feels so trying that somehow, you know, you're setting certain boundaries, but it seems like you have people that surround you that keep wanting to violate that boundary who don't seem to respect when you say no per se. And I think this has been one of the greatest trials in my life as far as 2020 is concerned. But wisdom has taught me that in times of violation and in times of difficulty to stay silent. Wisdom has taught me that when I'm unsure 
and I'm uncertain concerning life to stay rooted and not make drastic changes. Amen. In confusion, in times of trials, in times of hardship, when things are not going the way I expect it to go, I've had to stay founded and rooted, knowing that God, unless you tell me otherwise, I am staying grounded in my relationship with you. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom, it is, is applying knowledge in the right place and at the right time. The knowledge isn't necessarily knowing what to do. How many of us, we know, beloved, that in this past year, there are things we've faced, there are things we've gone through. It's not that we don't know what to do. We don't know, beloved, what we should be doing. In other words, the knowledge isn't necessarily knowing what to do, but rather doing what you know. Can I say that again? Knowledge isn't necessarily knowing what to do. I'm going through certain things in life and I don't know what to do. But I know this is what I can do and I'm doing what I know. At times, I don't have a clue. I don't have the slightest idea what to do. I don't have an answer. But you know what I can do? I can pray. I can seek counsel. I can turn to people who've had experience. And I may not know what to do, but I can do what I know. That is wisdom. Amen. In other words, there are moments where people say, oh, I thought it was the wisest thing to do. No, the wisest thing was you should have come and seek advice. Don't be a smart aleck. Because so many times they mess up and then it's too late to recover. So the right thing to do was not to make a decision. The right thing to do was to seek advice. That's wisdom. There are times I have completely no idea what should I do in the situation? How should I respond? In this? The first thing I do is I pray. The second thing I do is I call my pastor. Pastor, this is what I'm dealing with. I don't want to make a mistake. I don't want to mess up. What should I do? And that has helped me. And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But it is the place of admission. It is the place of humility. It is a place that we come to and we say, I need help. That is wisdom, beloved. Strength comes from wisdom. Strength comes from being honest with who you are. Wisdom is the building block, beloved, as we read in our, in our scripture. The Bible says that true wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding it is established. I realize, beloved, that wisdom is the building block that establishes the structure, that when wisdom is present, the structure can stand. As critical as wisdom is, we will only get stronger if it is applied in our lives and these are some of the practical advice I leave you for 2021. Let me leave you with three thoughts that has helped me survive and helped me 
pull through one year to the next and end every year and say, God, it has been a good year. So let me give you a few things that this is personal. This is very personal and, and it's biblical. So you may think, oh, which, which, where did you pull this out of? The Gregory Sinopan's life journal. <laughs> but it has been a journey and it has proven time and time again to lead us to victory. And so I want you to end 2021 with victory. I want the year to start with victory and the year to end with victory. And so the, the, the thing I've realized that has helped us, number one, is prayer and fasting. Practical. I told you I'm very practical this morning, but it's true. Let me take you in the Word of God. Matthew 17, 19 to 21. Now, if you're using the NIV, you may not find 1721. I don't know why they took it out, the New International Version. You will read it and you'll find, where in the world is that scripture? I don't know whether they just don't want you to fast. But anyway, <laughs> God knows. But Matthew 17, 19 to 21 the Bible says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, If you have faith as a mustard seed, You will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, And it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So what is Jesus saying? I've heard it said, and I think it's so true, that if fasting wasn't important, why did Jesus do it? Why did Jesus fast for 40 days? Why did Jesus show us through example that he was a man who fasted? He was a man that embraced the discipline of fasting. He was a man that embraced this discipline so profoundly that I believe dominion comes through the crucifying of the flesh. Our flesh desires the things of the world. Our flesh desires carnality. And the only way to crucify that desire and to bring it under subjection, listen carefully, I'm not proposing we stay in a mountain and become a hermit. No desire. Oh no, pastor said don't drive car, walk. Wear sandal and walk everywhere. Or you know, oh if I have a good meal, it's, it's wrong. No, that's not what I'm saying. But there are things our flesh desires for that are unhealthy to the spiritual man. And the only way to have dominion over the flesh is by crucifying the flesh. And the way you crucify the flesh is by fasting and prayer. I'm a living testimony to that. You can fast and you will find yourself finding dominion in your walk with God. 
that somehow all of a sudden your spiritual man begins to uh, rise up on the inside. There's a fire, there's a passion, there's a desire for the things of God. Does that mean that we don't succeed in the things of No. In fact, if anything is true, you will find God blessing you even more because He's got your attention. And this is the profound power in fasting. That biblically, the discipline of fasting is seen all through the Bible. And each time we have the remarkable result of God moving through prayer and fast. Read the scripture. Don't just take my word for it. You go home today and you pull out all the scriptures on prayer and fasting. You decide from Daniel to Nehemiah to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And you can read one text after the other. Every time they fasted, breakthrough took place. Miracles happened. Strongholds were broken. Dominion came into the scene. Because fasting crucifies the flesh Which is the greatest hindrance To all that God wants to do Our flesh hinders the work of God Amen So let's start the year off right This is, this is wisdom 101 for you Fasting and prayer It has been proven It has been true An incredibly neglected discipline I want to challenge you as I begin to go into the second thought. And I want you to ask yourself today, what do I really need God to do in my life? You add that to the list. I gave you only six things to be praying for in the church. But you're going to have some personal things you want to lift up. And as your pastor, my wife and I, we're here to pray with you and if you'd like to share some of those things, send us a text, talk to us, let us know, call us, you know, we want to pray with you. We want to pray alongside with you. But I challenge you in this next 14 days that you will lift up things that you desperately need breakthrough in for God to get involved. And you will see that there is indeed power in fasting. Isaiah 58, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. So, that's the purpose of fasting, to lose bonds, to break strongholds, and to undo heavy burdens. The second thing, is the power to say no. Amen. Somewhere in life, if you're going to have victory in your life, you've got to learn to say no. One of the fundamentals of having victory, beloved, is to be able to say no. Let me tell you, you're going to have to say no even more this year than ever before. There are going to be a lot of things that people are going to come and offer you. There are a lot of things people are going to come and show you. And you've got to gain the wisdom of God. You've got to gain the understanding and the discernment of God and say, no, I don't feel at peace. No. 
You cannot just buy and believe everything that people say. There are going to be moments where you are going to be urged to compromise, to give in, and somewhere you're going to have to learn to be a person who is not a people pleaser. Oh, I'm so scared how they will respond. Who cares how they respond? You're not called to worry about how they feel. You've got to take care of yourself. You've got to look after your life. You've got to learn to be honest and say no. Now, I'm going to show you a scripture where the man said no, but the guy was offended. 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 2 to 3. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden. So noble, isn't it? Uh, give me your vineyard, and then I will make you a vegetable garden. Because it is near, next to my house, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. King Ahab pouted like a girl. Okay, that, because he was a guy. That's why I said that. <laughs> but he went home pouting. He don't want to give me the vineyard. But Naboth stood his ground. Why? Because the land was paid with blood. It was an inheritance from his father. It was an inheritance from his family. It was given to him. And he was not going to let it go. You know, people want what we have. They'll promise you heaven and earth. You remember the story of Adolf Hitler. Right? What did Hitler say? Hitler went to the Jews. And Hitler promised, don't worry, one meter. I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> Hitler went to the Jews. And you know what he said? I am going to take you to a land of promise. Everything you ever want is found there. You will get everything. It's going to be blessed. It's going to... And you know what Hitler did? By, in, in, in saying, he was holding a Bible. And so guess what? People believed his lie. You know how he killed 11 million people? Because they were so gullible to believe a lie of a man. They believed. And he took them on trains. By droves he took them. And what did he do? He took them into the chambers and burned 11 million people alive. What was the only thing he said? He lied to them. You know there's a story. They said that those days they found that if you tell someone a lie long enough, big enough, people will eventually believe. There's three things. I know lie, lie long enough, big enough, and don't know, good enough. I don't know. But, but, but yeah. it says that people will start believing. And so they took a, a banana, and then they showed this banana, and on the banana there were three imprints. And so they began to say, that's a spider. So bananas came from spider. Do you know people started believing it? Be careful. A lot of deception will go on. Just give me your money. No, God blessed me with it. I'm not giving it to you. 
Amen. Learn to say no. Learn to say no. It'll offend people. Learn to say no. I'm sitting with a young man the other day. Beloved, in, in dealing with all that's going on with, with financial life, one scam after another scam. $300,000 in debt. Oh, they'll promise heaven and earth. Hitler did that. Learn to say no. When they challenge your faith, do you, why, why do you pray so much? Learn to say no. It's my relationship with God. Don't be a man pleaser. Oh, why do you go to church so much? Learn to say no. I am going to church. Why do you give so much? Learn to say no. God has blessed me. Let me tell you, the key to victory is learning to say no. It can offend people. It can hurt people. But it'll keep you victorious. How many times we become man-pleasers and people use their emotions and guilt to control us. You know, there's a marketing strategy known as emotional, uh, 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 the emotional method. I, I cannot remember the name of it now, but they use emotions to drive you to buy something. You know, when you go to a mall and then, you know, people today have this term called retail therapy. So you have to go and buy a $20,000 watch because it makes you feel good. <laughs> and, then, and then you come home and you go to bed at night And then you know what, you, what happens the next morning? You wake up feeling guilty I shouldn't have Who, Who's that? Oh <laughs> Making no reference I was just sharing I was just sharing No reference <laughs> But the truth is The truth is Let's be honest It plays with your emotions, doesn't it? When you walk into a mall, when you walk into a mall, especially during Christmas time, ding, ding, dang, ding, ding. Oh, that's Chinese here, right? Okay. And then, and then the, the urge to actually buy. And then you come home and what you say, oh, you shouldn't have. Like, when you're at home alone. I'll tell you something. Learn to say no. Because when you come home, you'll realize, actually, I didn't need it. I shouldn't have done this. And so there have been decisions my wife and I make. We always say, no, no, not now. Let's wait. Because you realize as you wait, actually, I don't need it. Amen. You don't need it. So wherever that fits is just my life journal and my wisdom to you this morning. Learn to say no. So finally, and I close with this final thought, the third thing, uh, uh, let me read Matthew 5.37 very quickly, okay? I just preached for 26 minutes. I've got nine more minutes to go. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. 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 It's going to take my time away from prayer. No. It's going to take my time away from... No. Put God first. And everything else, no. When you have time, you, you make that time for that, okay? But no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. The third thing, and I think this has been a very um, uh, important thing to me in my life, is godly counsel. It's godly counsel. Wisdom reveals that counsel provides 
safety. Look at this in verse 6. And in a multitude of counsellors, there is safety. And so there is a reason why we have a pastor over the church. There is a reason why there's headship. There's leadership. There's a reason why it's not because the pastor enjoys running people's lives. It's because the pastor represents the oracle and the voice of God. That as he ministers and as he preaches, the Bible says that when there is no counsellor, there is no safety. That's the opposite of what we read in Scripture. So in other words, when you remove counsel from our lives, it brings destruction to you. It, it, it distracts your, it, it will, you will self-destruct. Your life is going to self-destruct. Eliminate the godly counsel in our lives. Remove the safety net. Form disrespect. Rebellion against headship. And you will find your life without protection. It's biblical. It's biblical. The blessing we have, my uh, pastor was sharing with me, um, I was having breakfast with him this past week and he shared with me a story about a couple whom we, uh, a mutual friend, a mutual uh, 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 contact and he said, uh, this couple in December has been going around counselling people. And so they were having dinner and then they said, uh, you know, there's so many people to counsel. They're non-stop. We're so tired. Lah. We cannot stop counseling. You know, just counsel, 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 counsel. And Pastor Allen made an interesting comment. He said this. He said, sadly, that is the testament to your preaching. Why does he say that? Because one of the blessings we have as a church and as a fellowship is when you come to church, we preach the Word of God. And oftentimes, you don't have to necessarily get on the phone with me and say, Pastor, I need your advice on this because many times the preaching gives you answers already. Agree? So when you walk out the church, you just had a 45 minutes counselling session and that's it. Because we preach the Word. That's the testament to what we are as a church. You can come into church confused. You can come into church with questions in your head. And there can be 30 people sitting here and I can tell you God knows exactly what to say to you when you're in the house of God. And that's why you find that the need for personal counselling unnecessary to a certain degree. It's needed and I'm still available. I'm still around. I'm still there. You can pick the phone up, call me, call my wife, call us at any time except for 12 to 5. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But the truth is, it's because the preaching helps people. That's the testament to the power of what we preach. And I declare to you, beloved, if you listen to the preaching, if you would apply what you hear, God in His power will bless you and enable you through that godly counsel. But when you rebel against it, when you think you know better, when God is trying to tell you, listen, I'm speaking to you in your business, in your finances, in your resources, 
are speaking to you. There are facts that we must press to know. Why is that person so blessed? What's wrong with my life? I need to make changes. Listen to the word. That will change you. We cannot pretend like we know better. Or we cannot perpetually act like we know better. Proverbs 19.20, the Bible says, Listen to counsel. Receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Remove pride from our hearts. Because the downfall of a man is this. Is when ego takes over. Let me tell you, you know, when you study so many people in history and you identify, why have they deterred and detoured and moved away from who they are? The truth, every person I've ministered to, every person I've counseled, every person I've spoken to is because somewhere they thought they know better. Pride. Pride kicks in. At one time, you seek God, you pray, you lay hold. At one time, you know, you came and you seek counsel, you wanted help. But now the moment life gets a little better, and that's where the downfall is. Godly counsel. So three things I leave with you. Three things that you and I can be very mindful about this year. Prayer and fasting. The power to say no and godly counsel. These three things, I, I, again, I'm not saying that they are the only three things. Hear me out very carefully as I close. I'm not saying they are the only three things, but I felt very stirred this week to say those three things and to present them to you. And I challenge you, if you apply wisdom, you will have very little regrets in life. There was this, there's a book I'm reading Made to Stick, very good book. And he was talking about what is known as the gap theory. I want your attention for just a moment. The gap theories in science simply means the moment we know a little bit, our curiosity dwindles. Hence, we think we know everything. That's the gap theory. So because you know a little bit, pride kicks in and we forget how much we actually don't know. And so they did a test with some people. And they found out that people who knew three states in the US became pompous and arrogant. Yeah, I know the three states. Arrogant. Just because now they know three out of 50. But they found that there were 17 people, that there were people who knew 17 states out of the 50 and these people who knew so much more said, I still don't know the balance of the 33. I still need to learn. You know what is that? That's a gap theory. When you get a little bit better in life, you think you can win the world without the people who helped you get there. Don't forget, that's pride. That's where the gap theory kicks in. Now curiosity begins to dwindle. So now no longer do I think I need, because I know three out of 50, so I'm pretty good in your own opinion. But sit with the smarter people. Then you realize how much you don't know. And that's the problem with human nature, right? We like to hang around with people who are like us. 
because it doesn't make us feel like we don't know much. One of my prayers in this church is this, God bringing people who are intellectuals, who are smart, who know more than me. All of you should know more than me. <laughs> but that's the truth. I'm not threatened by it. I want to learn. I want to learn. I want to learn. I don't claim to be the person who knows it all. I know a little bit compared to everything that God knows. But never let pride. Never let pride. Because the moment pride kicks in, this year, if you're not careful, you can come to a place where you know a little bit, but you think you know everything. And you forget. You forget that that's where pride resides. And when you fail to realize how much you don't know, I'm not talking about, about false humility that, oh, uh, I know so much, but nah, I don't know much. No, that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. Stay humble. There's a lot you don't know. There's a lot you don't know. When you talk to people sometimes, there's a lot you don't know. And that's why wisdom tells you, stay humble. Amen. Proverbs 4, 5 to 7. Solomon says this as we close. Third close, right, bro? Third one, huh? No. Lost count already. Okay, 2021, we do four. <laughs> get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget. Not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom. Wisdom. When you don't know what to do, do what you know. Amen. Let that be something that sinks in. When I don't know what to do, I need to do what I know. If the only thing I know is to pray, then I'm going to pray. The only thing I know is to call pastor, I'm going to call pastor. If the only thing I know is in my state of confusion is ask for prayer, I'm going to ask for prayer. I am not going to be arrogant and prideful to pretend like I know everything. I need help. And I'm going to seek for help. That's what wisdom will teach us. And my challenge to you this year is those three things, prayer and fasting. Fast more than you have ever done in your life. We do fasting every Tuesdays, right? And so you can join us every Tuesdays and fast with us every Tuesdays. But prayer and fasting is a very important component to a victorious life. I think God has protected us to a certain degree partly because of the prayers and the fasting of God's people. It's a combination of several things, I know. But prayer and fasting indeed is powerful. And then learn, beloved, to say no to people. Don't be afraid. Oh, but pastor, they'll get offended. They can pout. They can get offended. But if you're not comfortable with it, and if you find it not to your liking, or you, find, you need to learn. You need to learn to not live for people. Stop pleasing people. Please God. Learn to please God. Amen. Learn to please God. And finally, have godly counsel. Listen to the preaching. Listen to the messages. As your pastor, every Sunday I come and I bring a word for you. So I want to go through, revisit my commitment to the church today. 
And I'm going to read this out to you as we close. And I want you to hold me accountable, my wife and I. You know we do this every first of the year. And I will say to you that you can check back, you can play back the recordings, and I do my very best to keep to whatever I've promised you that I will keep to. And so this morning, I want to renew my contract with you. I'd like to revisit my commitment. Number one, I will uncompromisingly continue to preach the truth of God's word. Continue to preach the unadulterated gospel. Number two, I will remain faithful to God's call for my life and the church. Number three, I will be open and willing to change areas of my life that needs correction. Number four, I will be a blessing and serve in whichever capacity as much as possible. Number five, I will commit myself to praying and studying even more. Number six, I will continue to pray for each and every one of you. And you can be assured that we have your back. That your burden will be our burden. Number seven, I will spend my time wisely. Number eight, I will steward what God has entrusted to me faithfully. Number nine, I will do all I can through God's help to see you and your family make it for God. Number 10, I will continue to consecrate my life by keeping it holy and acceptable. Number 11, I will continue to be open, transparent and accountable. Number 12, I will watch my words carefully and be mindful of the words that I speak. Number 13, I will do all possible to launch couples and reach the nations for Jesus. Number 14, is it? 14, I will always have an open year for you. And finally, I will continue to love you, respect you, respect your privacy, and treat you as family. I want you to bow your heads with me. My wife and I are one. This ministry, and as we labor, I may use the word I, but I make reference to both Yen and myself. The both of us. We will, we will, we will. You have our commitment. You have our word. We love this church dearly and I just preach this today to just help you with what God has put in my heart. And I encourage you, beloved, there's so much going on in the world today. Deceptions, lies, all kinds of things. But I want to urge you, beloved, stay focused on Jesus. And as we start the year off, prayer and fasting is a powerful virtue to victory. Every time you are in need, every time you need breakthrough, fast, fast, fast. Jesus fasted 40 days. 40 days. Gave him dominion over Satan. There were times the religious people gathered around Jesus and Jesus said, no. No. 
my challenge to you today is as we start the year, let's start it strong. Keep our hearts right. Don't ever forget there's so much we don't know compared to what we know. Stay humble. Godly counsel is there to help you. Not there to run your life and dictate your life and become a cult. That's not our cult. It is there to love you, serve you and to be a counsel to you. The preaching does that. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, I'm not right with God. I'm backslidden. I'm away from God and I need to turn back to Him. Would you pray with me this morning? I want to return. I want to rededicate. I want to give my life to Christ. If that is you, beloved, I want you to lift your hands and I want to pray with you this morning. God bless you, man. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? God bless you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. What a day to recommit your life. What a day to give your life back to Jesus this morning. We thank God for you. We thank God for your honesty. Anyone else this morning, you're here. You say, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come back. I've turned away from God and I want to turn back to Him this morning. You lift your hands. Anyone else in this place, you're not right with God. You like to give your life to Christ. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God this morning. I want two men to stand and to pray with our gen this gentleman right here. Brother, you lifted. I want you to come. My brother, you're come. Would you come? We want to pray with you. I want two men to come with them. Lead them in prayer this morning. Lead them in prayer. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. Come. Would you pray with them? Beloved, you're here. You're here this morning. We're going to stand all over this building. You're welcome to join us at the altar. The altar is a place where we come and make our prayer request to God. And I'd like to invite you, if you want to come forward, you like to come and pray, would you stand all over this building? Come and find a place to pray. Let's begin to talk to God at this altar. Let's begin to spend some time thanking God at this altar for all He's done and all that He's going to do. Let's come, beloved, and find a place this morning. Father, we thank You. Oh, we praise You, Lord. We praise You. We worship and honour Your name, O oh God. God. Lord, give us wisdom for this year, God. Give us understanding and insight, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you will help us to be a people that will respond in obedience to you, oh God. Lord, you will help us, oh God, to stay humble this year, oh God. Lord, with all I have God help us God help us oh God oh I give Lord, I give you my soul. I live for you alone. 
every breath that I take, yes, every moment us, I'm away. Help us, oh God. Help us, oh God. Lord, have your way in me. This is my desire. Yes, Jesus. To Let's stand as we worship Him. Oh, Jesus. Lord, with all my heart. I worship If you need you. more time at the altar, you spend as much time as you need. Let's sing it out. Oh, yes, yes, yes. All I have within me. Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise. All that I adore. All that, that I adore. Is in you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, my Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. Give you my soul. I give you my soul. I God, fill us with wisdom. I live for you yes. alone. Every breath. Every breath that I take. Every moment. Every moment I'm away. Lord, would 